0: I know you did everything you could and I don't want you to think or anyone who's had to fight for their child think that they're not they haven't done enough because fuck we do enough (laughs) my god sometimes you just need someone to listen Welcome to Raw the Podcast with Amy and Grecian, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life, special needs and infant
1: loss, to those everyday mum life struggles we all feel. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other
0: mamas feel less alone. I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to Premi boys James and Jack. I'm the founder of my own small business and support network, Miracle Mama, where I advocate fiercely for the infertility, Premi and special needs community.
1: And I'm Grecian, mama of four girls, including two full termers, Adeline and Macy, and a set of Premi twins, Hannah and Riley, born at 25 weeks. I'm an IVF warrior and am
0: passionate about sharing the unfiltered ups and downs of motherhood. We don't share your average mama stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief, and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could even imagine, so at this point we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly,
1: let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. It's a place to have real and raw conversations. Ask those questions that may be playing on your mind. And above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm and together we'll roar
0: welcome back roarers i'm Gracian. and i'm amy how are you been Grecian? how's your week
1: been busy as normal as normal when is it not busy
0: and it's a standard response Literally. isn't it <laughs>
1: standard standard response I even yeah. had to look back in my diary just then before we hopped on to see like what did I actually do this week
0: because yeah.
1: I just have been so busy
0: yep trying to think of our something I want to do again something I want to forget every week uh-huh. <laughs> I, have to, I have to look back in my photos <laughs> what have, <laughs> what have done? you done this
1: week what have uh, we done I don't even know uh, no so what did we get up to uh, this week okay so I suppose leading on from last episode's update on Riley. Yeah, let's
0: talk about Riley. Mm-hmm.
1: So she had her NG tube change on um, Tuesday with sedation.
0: Um, so that, that comes around a... so quick. I feel like that comes around so it does. quick. Because it's once a month. Once a month, like yeah, monthly thing. But I remember she had it done in her surgery, and I can't believe that was a month ago. I don't think it's quite a month. Oh, no, maybe it is now because I think she
1: was meant to have it and it was only going to be three weeks, but now it has been a month. Yeah. Mm. Um, So she had the first one under sedation. All her other tube changes have either been when she was under GA for her surgery or um, they've just been when she's awake. And it's been horrible, as you can imagine. Um, Mm. Amy, you would know they're Mm. not fun tube changes. Like it's not fun holding your child down, especially when they're aware of what's coming
0: um, mm-hmm. and when they
1: fight it as well, so full stop, it's just traumatic. I thought going under sedation it wouldn't be as traumatic. Uh,
0: but it was still yeah. traumatic uh,
1: was it? <laughs> okay I don't yeah, I think it was it was still traumatic for me. It was still traumatic for her. She didn't kick and push us away as much, but um she was still aware of what's what was going on at the time. Um, mm. And still, I had to still wrap her up, hold her, and it was still not a nice experience. Like, But hopefully that's our last tube change ever because she's got a long-term tube in now, which can be, they said, until clinically can't stay in okay. anymore, which is like average three months, they reckon. Um but I'm like, why didn't you do that before? Yeah. Why didn't you give us a, a long term tube before, when you knew it was going to be long term? Why put her through so many changes?
0: Yeah, it's bizarre, right? So, mm. yeah, and we ne- we never we <laughs> we had Jack's tube in for not mm-hmm. over eighteen months, and I never got offered a long term tube. Right? Why? Mm. But we were pretty lax. I must, I might, must be honest. We were very lax with changing it every month because I just do yeah. it myself. Yeah. And, like, he would pull it out and he'd pull it out at least three times in a month. So we were doing it more yeah, often exactly. anyway. But and yeah. you've got that experience,
1: whereas we could not yeah. do that with Riley. Like, there's no way um, we could do it
0: just with her medical trauma yeah. and age. I think because Jack had it from such such a young age, it was just normal for him, yeah. which is awful. But, it is.
1: Yeah. Um, so while we were there, I made sure I got on top of respiratory so I got respiratory to come down and see her because she's got that chronic wet cough still mm-hmm. so they put her on a long-term dose of antibiotics finally okay. which is good just twice a day for a month and then two weeks of nothing and then we'll see them at the six week okay. mark hang on one second my my camera my computer's gone starting your scheduled scan it will schedule your scan and turn your computer off
0: can you schedule that
1: another time computer (laughs) yes now i don't know what i was saying that's fine twice a day for four weeks oh then we go back at the six week mark to see if there's any improvement if the cough has come back or if we may need to do like a longer term a different antibiotic so i was quite impressed with that finally Mm -hmm. and her sats randomly, like I sent you a photo, her sats randomly have just been dropping to like 90, 91, 89 at home and she's awake mm. like playing the tablet or laying on the floor. So I brought that up with them and they think at this stage it's just the gunk in her lungs causing that. Yeah. Okay. Um, pot- potentially if it doesn't pick up, we may have to do more testing and she may need to go back on oxygen is what they said. Mm great so we were just more waiting and seeing yeah more waiting and seeing but they finally put her on antibiotics yeah. to help well, which hopefully the will help her so oxygen praying that that well. helps everything
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, so I got them. That was ticked off. Then I got dietetics down to fix her feeds and like adjust and I had questions about the swallow study so results. So are we just
0: ignoring the swallow study results because we haven't talked about them yet? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I mean. I, I forgot where we like, were
1: even up to.
0: I was like, when you started talking about all of this stuff, I'm like, mate, right. you're missing okay, one. Sorry. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well backtrack a little bit yeah here I am like, just thinking about this week oh
0: well, I just thought is she just keeping people in holding people in suspense <laughs> yes that's
1: what I'm doing what yes yeah. definitely like, okay
0: I'll just roll with that sure no 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 <laughs> um, that's when I can't even funny.
1: remember the last time we recorded and did the update it was before her swallow study it
0: was before yeah
1: okay glad you were onto it
0: there's your mum brain moment for <laughs> exactly week. my mum brain <laughs> moment
1: for this week I've forgotten Live where we are for
0: you all yeah <laughs>
1: yep okay well let's backtrack because yep dietetics did come in but backtrack to the week before um riley finally had (laughs) video fluoroscopy (laughs) her swallow study um and the results of that were shit Mm. they she is literally um aspirating on all levels except for level seven so that's like dry food um She's trace, trace aspirating continuously on all levels. She has a backwards, she's a backwards drooler. So whenever, like when she had the strawberry for the test, she hypersalivated, aspirated the saliva and the strawberry juice, like everything went backwards, which isn't good. Um, and the only thing that, yeah, she did well with was the croissant that we gave for the level seven. Yeah. Um, mm. But, yeah, all the other levels, it's just shit.
0: Mm. Shit. So... Which is quite significant uh, at this age to... for yeah, It for, is. I should say, for those that don't know, aspirating is when you basically... Yes, true. ...fluid or food goes the wrong way and it goes into airways rather than down into your tummy, which obviously mm-hmm. causes a it's lot of good. issues with lungs. Yeah. yeah,
1: Yes. Um, So, no wonder she has not wanted to eat or drink this whole time.
0: Yeah. So that's because the she's big, continually aspirating. The big thing. As soon as you said th- those results, I was like, well, I just cannot mm-hmm. believe one, I cannot believe that they've not done a swallow study before on a kid that is mm-hmm. oral, so orally averse. Because, two, this explains why she doesn't want to eat or drink because it hurts, it doesn't feel exactly. comfortable like no she chokes she coughs like yeah and a kid that is doing that to to an extent yeah they it doesn't feel right doesn't feel comfortable so they don't do it like it just blows my mind that exactly yeah being not being done before yep especially because the results were so bad yeah because I knew Riley you've said in the past that Riley was on thickness so I just assumed that she'd had the swallow study done but Mm -hmm. it was actually your um speechy that you saw that Put her on that, Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: crazy. Mm -hmm. Without one, she just listened with the stethoscope to her swallow, yeah. Um,
0: Mm.
1: yeah, so just yeah, it blows our minds. Like, we were so frustrated with the ENT, um, Mm. because we've been saying that she's choking, and like for the results to be that severe, they said if she wasn't already on NG tube. Um, after those results, they would have called us back that afternoon and like put their NG tube in and started all the feeds. So it's kind of good that she is already on that.
0: Um, yeah, but, but still, it's still yeah. a big shock
1: <laughs> and a big adjustment mm-hmm. to
0: make, especially for a, you know, as you said, she was starting to eat a little bit more and yes, be she started just started to improve
1: yeah. exactly.
0: Yeah, so
1: she was back to eating watermelon and strawberries, banana um Mm. avocado like she was back to eating those more wet kind of foods
0: Mm.
1: and now she is only allowed dried foods cannot have anything moist wet um that has that juice behind it Mm. so it's luckily there is options we can give her but she's pretty much nil by mouth now like we do five feeds a day with the tube because she's just kind of picking at something here and there
0: um
1: which is going to make our road to recovery of the oral aversion harder because we're just going backwards again.
0: Yeah, well, exactly. That's not like you can keep it orally stimulated with a range of different foods. You're limiting it now Mm -mm. compared to what you were. Mm -hmm. And like it just putting it into perspective against Jack. We don't like to compare here, but for those that obviously Jack aspirates and he's tube fed for that reason. But he was diagnosed at about five months old with severe dysphagia so he was classed as severe mm-hmm. but he was only aspirating on all thicknesses of liquid so he could still eat you know mm-hmm. all of the sort of I don't know what the levels are but yeah he could eat those I mean he couldn't eat watermelon and strawberries the juicier fruits but um yes but yeah he was immediately put on a tube then when he was diagnosed um, mm-hmm. A little bit different. He was a lot younger. He obviously wasn't even eating solids at that age, right. eating food. He was solely reliant on milk. But, yeah, it just blows my mind that, you know, he's still on – he's at the moderately thick level. So I think – what's that, mm-hmm. Greg? we really worked it out? He was level three. And Riley's yep, I've up now. aspirating still on level – Six. Would you say up to level – yeah, it's just insane. So level seven, like seven is
1: the highest um, yeah, and zero is obviously thin, normal water, yeah. normal liquid, and then it goes one, which is slightly thick, two, mildly thick, three, moderately thick, four, extremely thick, which equals pureed food. And yeah, then there's so like was five, Jack six, was seven. When he was,
0: yeah, first diagnosed. Yeah, yeah, kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so mm. that that were
1: that bad. So then, because they just told us what a quick rundown of the results. And what she kind of could have, she just said wet, moist, non-moist foods. So I checked with dietetics when they came um, this week. Um, and she actually got the speechy down that did the test. And we actually chatted about exactly what she can have, can't have, what it means for the future. Um, and she mentioned to us that Riley will never, it looks like, Riley, in her opinion, will never have, um, like, liquid again unless it's going to be like extremely thick Mm. so it was kind of like a big slap in the face um that that's how bad it was because they've already done the botox they've already done because
0: they think at this yeah and they think at this age that if it was like a developmental thing that she's going to grow out of that she would have done it by now yeah okay by now
1: yep so she said she Mm. may still change and as she grows and stuff but she doesn't like she thinks she would still aspirate um, mm. So it was yeah, a really big slap in the face um, to know that that's how severe it was and that they weren't listening to us and this could this have been avoided mm. years ago. So lots oh, of emotions. A lot, you felt a lot
0: of guilt <sighs> surrounding that,
1: yeah. Yes, so especially when we had that tube change, I said to you that I burst into tears as they were doing the tube change um, like I was bawling my eyes out. Riley was screaming and crying her eyes out, and I just in that moment I just felt so much guilt that she has had to go through all of this. Could we have done more? Is there any way that yeah we could have avoided all of this? Mm-hmm. Um, there was just so much guilt on different different levels, different aspects. That yeah, did we fail Riley? Did we fight hard enough for her? Mm-hmm. Could we have done anything different? Um And it just all came like out.
0: Yeah. Um well, Yeah. Th- yeah. It's a lot like it's like the last four years have just turned around and slapped you in the face. Mm-hmm. Like I think we're quick to forget how hard we actually did fight and how many times we mm-hmm. advocated and got pushed back. Yeah. You know, I think in these moments we go immediately to blaming ourselves. Because mm-hmm. we're their mum, like parents. I know, but you've you've got to remember how much you have fought for her and how much you have yeah. brought this up in the past. And, you know, there's only so many times you can fight and have people and have people question your judgment before you start exactly. to become discouraged, you know, like exactly. it actually wears you down and then you stop. when people are like, like when you're hitting brick walls constantly and it makes you feel like mm-hmm. maybe you are being overcautious or you're imagining things like. Exactly. But no, not in this case. No, exactly. We are not imagining things. It's
1: actually worse than what everyone thought.
0: Yeah, but that's where your that's where your frustration and anger then is justified and valid yep. because, essentially, if people had listened to you, as a mum, that mum instead, that guard, then it could have probably been avoided. Yeah, like if she'd had or would she have been on earlier? the tube earlier? Yeah, and she we wouldn't have had this huge fight. No, and like you never you never know what could have been or may have been and I don't think you should be at all should beat yourself up about it because yeah like I said you've you've done it you have fought for her and we're finally somewhere you know there's only so much you can do yeah yes yeah I don't know I think I think well for me especially so we only fought for five months and I just think back to the toll that had on me like I remember having pushback after pushback Mm. And I just knew there was something that wasn't right. I just knew it. I knew it wasn't just viruses. I knew it wasn't just being premmy. I knew it wasn't yep. just that his sibling had was bringing home colds from kindy. I knew it. Mm-hmm. But then I did start to think I was going crazy. I was looking at his breathing. I was counting his breathing. I'm like, I'm just. Am I mm-hmm. looking for things that aren't there? Am I? Aren't there? Yeah. Like, I just think that the fighting in itself has a toll on you, and it's exhausting. Oh, definitely it's draining it's so
1: draining especially when you have to repeat yourself over and over again to different teams different nursing staff different doctors and then Mm. the guilt just seeps in and sets in about the whole journey um and results are coming up after all of the testing
0: yeah i felt exactly the same grecian especially when we found out that jack had his lung damage i was like the same thing Mm -hmm you know could this have been avoided and if essentially if we caught it earlier it might have mm-hmm. yeah like it's we're just I just I just don't think that advocating and fighting for your child is as easy as people Mm-mm. think or sometimes make it out to be like not in a all. lot of the groups that we're in you hear people saying oh mama you need to fight you need to do this you need to you can't say no for an answer but it's actually not not that, that easy easy no. I just don't want people yeah, I don't want people to just get this false sense that you can walk into a doctor's office and they yeah. <laughs> they do what you want. <laughs> no, cuz um, they do not. Like there's been a number of times when I've been in hospital where I've been so angry and fired up, like I've promised myself that when the doctors come in that I'm going to fight, like in the doctors rounds I'm going to mm-hmm. not take no for an answer and then they come in and I just lose that confidence. Exactly. You just kind of back into the corner yeah I know some people can do it but as soon as I hit one brick wall like as soon as they come back with one thing I lose that confidence yeah not to mention like when you're in hospital you're bloody exhausted you don't get any sleep Mm -hmm. being a parent to a sick child is hard but when you're in Mm -hmm. hospital with a sick child it's like 5,000 times escalated yeah like bone numbingly tired and emotions are heightened and you're on edge already Yeah, and it almost can result in like an unwanted tension. Like I've between like yourself and staff. Like I've felt tension. Oh yeah. Yeah. I don't love conflict. I don't wanna be the difficult mum or the over anxious mum or I don't want the team to walk out and start talking about me or yeah, ruin the relationship yeah, you have yeah. with your doctor. Like there's so many different elements to advocating and mm-hmm. fighting for your child. And it's just not as easy as, Mm-mm. oh yeah, mom, just, you know, go in there, be brave, be bold. It's just, sometimes it's just not that easy. Like, yeah. yeah. Especially Grecian when you started saying that you felt guilty and should have, i fought harder. I know you fought hard mm-hmm. enough. I know you did everything you could. And I don't want you to think, or anyone who's had to fight for their child, think that they're not, they haven't done enough because fuck we do enough (laughs) my god sometimes you just need someone to listen yeah exactly yeah so I don't actually think I've told this story here so I wanted to talk about um when Jack was admitted to hospital as a newborn with RSV so he was only about I think he's about eight weeks corrected Mm -hmm. he was little 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 And the doctor, so he was admitted to hospital. The doctor on the rounds the morning after we were admitted made me feel about a centimetre small. So Mm -hmm. he was in the room for at the very most like five minutes. He ignored all of my concerns as a mum, even those of the nurses that were looking Mm -hmm. after Jack, and he discharged us. Mm -hmm. So he was like the threshold for needing to be in hospital is up here and where Jack is is down here. And I was just like. Oh, my God. Like it was just so demoralizing um, and I was almost in a little bit shock. Like the nurses had recorded, like he had had no intake, he's had wet na- I mean dry nappies. It was all just a bit shocking. Anyway, mm. so when I raised my concerns to the nurses after he left, he sent his intern in and I'm not even kidding, she started asking me about my mental health and asked me oh if I thought I might need to speak to someone professionally about my anxiety um that she could refer me to someone to talk to i'm actually going to like well i'm still this is how frustrated and angry it makes me now knowing like yeah that's that literally wrong. makes my blood boil that an anxious mum who's worried about their child's health is immediately dismissed yeah and like but yep. not even that like a new mum who just had a premature traumatic birth who is worried about their child's health and you are mm-hmm. like making her feel like there's something wrong with her but like I cannot, mm-hmm. it just f- cannot believe That's what wrong. was said to me on that day. Like, I was so shocked that I couldn't even like, I had to leave. Like I said, I need to get out of here. Um, so I took Jack home and here's the, I shouldn't, it's not funny, but the funny part, seven hours later, he was admitted. He I took him in. to a different hospital mm-hmm. and he was on high flow. Literally, he was put mm-hmm. straight on high flow. Which he relied on for the next. You week. You want to kind he of go was,
1: shove it up yours, like.
0: And do you know what? I wish I took doctor, him back. Like, like now, F. I you. wish I took him back to the other hospital. Like I'd really do. Um yep. But at the same time, I don't think I could have been in that, that hospital. <laughs> no, no, you couldn't have um, been there. No. No, um, but now I do wish that I, yeah, I could have, I could have gone back to that hospital if, yeah. Anyway, like,
1: see, see, I told you, I was right. Like.
0: Yeah, but. It's Mm. just something I'll never forget. And still to this day, like you can see how triggered I get and how angry it makes me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I remember at the time the nurse is telling me to write a complaint and I told myself that when the anger wore off that I would, but I'm still so angry. Yeah, yeah, it hasn't worn off yet. I I can't write when I'm angry because I'll just be like, (laughs) you know how you're just in attack mode when you're angry? I was like, I still haven't been able to write that letter because I'm still in attack mode. It makes me (laughs) so freaking furious and i just think the scary part of that story is that i'm a pediatric pediatric nurse mm-hmm. and i was a second time i can't time believe mom.
1: they questioned that being a nurse as yeah. well
0: but just like the doctors who admitted jack the second time like and put him on high flow they said it was lucky that i knew enough to bring him back in because i just think of you mm-hmm. know a parent who didn't know what to look for or like if there was a language or cultural barrier and yep, they that didn't could have ended feel very yeah, it, like he literally was that sick and yeah basically being told in a roundabout way that I was crazy like that's how that's what they did to me like what does that do for your confidence as a new mum who's worried about their child's health like all of this can be so damaging and dangerous and yeah I just mm, yeah I don't want this to be a rant about the hospital healthcare system but no. sometimes they don't get it right and I think it's important that we touch on that mm-hmm. um yeah I think we're as parents of medically complex children we're actually experts on our children's yep, 100%. like behaviors their temperament their diagnosis their baseline what's going to happen
1: next as well exactly their baseline
0: yeah yeah and even their vital signs and we can see the trends if they're not mm-hmm. if they're not in their norm and like exactly. we're probably better experienced at recognizing deterioration in our kids mm-hmm. before clinicians like it's It's no joke. Mm -mm. (sighs) So there's my rant. Um, I did just want to, on that point, there was a study done in 2020 in the journal titled Hospital Pediatrics, which found that, and I'm quoting here, Families of children with medical complexity evolve expertise in their child's baseline status and routine illnesses in navigating the healthcare system and in serving as Mm -hmm. an advocate. In the context of clinical deterioration, families employ mature, experience-based pathways to identify and communicate about serious illness. Existing communication structures in the hospital are poorly equipped to use families' expertise to improve detection of deterioration. Yep,
1: yep, yep. That makes me fired up.
0: Yeah, like there's literally studies that say that we're when we're worried about our child, it's actually an experience and evidence-based mm-hmm. argument. It's not that we're just anxious Mm-mm. and like we always get put in this box that we're overreacting or we're anxious or,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah, I don't know. And being a nurse, I see it. I see nurses talking about the mum in room five who, you know, she's overly anxious or she's a first-time mum. Mm-hmm. Like ah, it just yep. riles me up yeah anyway so yeah as i was saying as a nurse i find it really hard to complain about our healthcare system because i am you know you're in there i work for it yep <laughs> but i can all yeah well and I, but i can also see like i can see both sounds, sides like mm-hmm. i can see personally and professionally how it like failed like i can see how it fails us i can see how it sometimes doesn't work yep. from both angles but um i think if your child is acutely unwell, like if you have a child that's acutely unwell and they're requiring like intensive or immediately life-saving care, our hospitals are usually incredible. 100%. But it's the ones who are chronically unwell, that's where it falls really short. So like kids like ours, Grecian, mm-hmm. we are just, you know, we usually go into hospital for like the bubbling along mm-hmm. stuff that's starting to get acute, but we catch mm-hmm. it really early. Um, and then you do have to feel like you're fighting for people to, to listen and believe you. But, you know, in the opposite case, when Jack had RSV and he was acutely unwell, I could not once fault the care that we received, apart from, apart <laughs> apart from, from, from the first go. <laughs> but, like, yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah, no, that failed us miserably. Miserably. Anyway, so this episode, we really want to talk about what we've just already nutted out a little bit. But I found an article by Sick Happens. What's her name, Grecian? Penny. She's lovely. Penny. Yeah. I should look up her full name. Anyway, it will be in our show notes, obviously, and I will link to the article. But she wrote a blog titled The How to Advocate for Your Child One, and it breaks down six of the most common themes that parents have encountered when in hospital with their sick child. So we're going to run through them and sort of give some examples of what we've experienced, and I know this is going to hit very close to home for so many of you, especially Grecian mm-hmm you at the moment because you're living it so closely but yeah number one health professionals acting in an unprofessional manner Mm -hmm. do you want (laughs) to go yeah i can go um
1: so i guess it does come under the heading of unprofessional but when the doctors or nurses talk to you in like that condescending tone and it comes across very passive aggressive yeah um so the most recent example of this would be last week when I was saying she, um, Riley was in, or well, this week actually, she was in the sedation clinic and the nurse mentioned to us about Riley's cough and that we shouldn't actually be there if she was sick. So I explained to her how we discussed with respiratory and connect care the day before about this and confirmed that it was still okay to come in as Riley's cough is long-term wet cough due to her aspiration mm. Um, She then proceeded to tell me how there were too many teams involved and I should have directly contacted them as they weren't very happy with this answer. Just the tone of how she spoke really triggered me and I literally broke down crying. So that was the first crying episode I had. Um, I felt so guilty about the whole ordeal already and that we had so many teams involved. I felt guilty that my child was even having this tube placed in. I felt guilty that we had asked to go under the sedation team there was just so many emotions coming up and after this I did notice though that the team nurses were a lot kinder to me um and used different words and checked on us more frequently yeah so
0: just have a breakdown if you want better care (laughs) apparently (laughs) that worked (laughs) yeah it was just very to the point
1: like it just
0: wasn't it wasn't a
1: nice way to bring it
0: up no this that that kind of that right there Summarizes what I was saying about the acutely versus the chronically unwell kid, and when people don't understand that chronically unwell children can have chronic wet mm-hmm. coughs and it not be contagious, like exactly none of our other kids are sick. No, but I've had that before when we've been in e- actually in ENT, and Jack was cough, cough, coughing. This was during COVID, so you can imagine the looks mm. I was getting. Like the reception lady came from behind the desk, and she goes, "Oh, do you want to give him a drink?" And I was like, he can't drink. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was, so- <laughs> I was, I was like, I know everyone's looking at me. I just wish he could- I could put a freaking sign on his said. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Not contagious. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's the same when Jack had when he was a baby and he had laryngomalacia, tracheomalacia. Mm-hmm. Like his symptoms were quite significant. You could hear him pretty much rattling you know his breathing mm-hmm. was rattling and everyone just assumed we was he was sick every time we went anywhere like but he was not he was that was just he was just Darth Vader like that was just <laughs> his breathing <laughs> uh, but yeah so yeah different side of sort of the unprofessional stick but um i've literally witnessed nurses coming into our room doing the vital signs mm-hmm. writing in their charts walking out right except they haven't Done things, so they're recording a temperature without actually doing. The oh, temperature. that's very unprofessional. Or even things like checking respirates Do you? How often do you see a nurse that actually stands there, watching their watch, <laughs> looking at the breath? Lots of the nurses
1: have actually lately. In the last couple of days, we have. I make sure sh- I, I make a note I think of it. We're that. getting
0: better. Mm-hmm. Mm. And I mean, this isn't a dig at nurses and stuff, but I know it happens. Like. So mm. Jack's most recent stay in overwinter, his heart rate was sitting in about 50 when he was asleep. And I know as Mm -hmm. a nurse, I know that that's in the the charts. That's, Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's a doctor review or a met call, but I know it's not in a normal zone. It's It's low. Extremely low. 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 Yep. Yep. And I had, I'd been there for about five, we'd been there for about five nights. Same thing. He was monitored every night. I could see that it was sitting the same every night. No one ever said anything. One night a nurse comes running in going, oh my gosh, his heart rate's so low like I'm gonna go tell the doctor and I just said oh Hank don't don't rush like he's been that low the whole time and she's like no it's not been documented for five nights and I was like oh my god So people have just been obviously just kind of turning a blind eye like yeah yeah, just putting it a
1: 60 instead of 50 like
0: yeah that's those sort of things that unfortunately I know happens that's Um, so bad it is yeah
1: Um, So Justin also had an example of this too when a nurse came storming in one time um, during one of Riley's recent admissions, decided to take it upon herself to whip off her oxygen prongs without chatting with him, doctors, or even Riley first. So she literally Mm. came in and said, oh, well, we don't need those now and literally started ripping them off her face. So not even trying to take Mm. it off nicely with any remover. Justin was like, excuse me, what are you doing? like a bit of a chat Mm -hmm. about what she was going to do or like, okay, Riley's sitting okay right now. Do you think we could get it off for now? How does she go with it coming off? But literally she just came in and was like just swooped in and started ripping them off. So that like to us was not very professional either.
0: No. And I think, again, going back to me seeing both sides of the story, like nurses have run off their feet. They're so busy. Oh yeah. We're just yeah. stretched beyond measure. But like some things are inexcusable. Like that's just 100%. not okay. I it's just that breaks my heart. Like I, yeah, I just think if I ever did that, like I need to give up nursing. <laughs> you know, like mm-hmm. it's just awful. All right, so the next one, number two, not being heard. Now, mm-hmm. this is this is obviously the big one. Mm-hmm. Um we've already talked about it in detail. <laughs> And it can be portrayed in so many ways. So um, the article said how, for example, parents' pleas for help are dismissed or details about the symptoms of their sick child are ignored Mm -hmm. or deemed insignificant. Mm -hmm. So I think that one's pretty straightforward. We've all been there. We've kind of already talked about it. Did you have anything else to add, Grishan?
1: Yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, for Riley, this is a big one. Like our experience with ENT would be the biggest point of not being heard. Um, so like how many times over the last two and Mm a half years have we tried to fire, and advocate and tell them that she's aspirating and choking on foods and fluids and they didn't hear us and now look where we are.
0: Mm.
1: So it's kind of like a big, like
0: slap in the face moment. Like we were trying to tell you this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's when it's, it's the hardest as well is when you do then, you know, months Mm -hmm. down the track, find out that there is something that has been missed. It's hard to swallow then. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I guess another yeah. standout example was when Riley was in for another admission over winter and she was, as the doctors put it in inverted commas, the least sick kid on the ward. So she was actually sent home. So this was a time mm. that she was desatting into the 80s when she was sleeping, but because that was the only thing keeping her there, yeah. um, she was the least sick kid. So they discharged her and we were telling the doctors look she drops overnight she will Mm. drop we do not feel comfortable going home and they're like no no she'll be fine they didn't listen and they made us feel like we were dumb and we didn't know what we were talking about which is super frustrating as like you said we know our medical children best so we know when she is Mm -hmm. unwell and lo and behold she dropped her sats at home
0: yeah so yeah and I think, again, that not being heard makes you feel like you're stupid. Yeah. And that then your, um, your limits to take them in drop because you're like, oh, I'm just going to be dismissed if I go in or I'm going to look stupid when I go in, which is so dangerous. Again, it's so dangerous. Exactly.
1: Yeah. That's why we didn't take her back. That's, that's exactly why we didn't take her back because by the time we got there, she would have been awake and she would have been fine and then they would have been like, what are you doing here again? Yeah.
0: And again, it it puts Sorry. that back on the parents as being the ones that are rabbit ears, bunny ears, <laughs> rabbit ears, bunny ears, like crazy. Like you, yep. you start to feel crazy. And it's it's a hundred percent the reason that Scott and I, whenever Jack's unwell, sit here he way yes. longer than we should, to- tossing and throwing about going to hospital because we're worried mm-hmm. that we're going to be judged for him being too well, which is ridiculous. So like this is our child that's been through <laughs> so much, and we still worry about what they're going to say and think and yet you have people like um, I have you know worked in ED for 10 years you see people going in for one fever ever with no symptoms and you go how how do I feel bad about going to hospital (laughs) yeah you know like yeah and like I never tell these people that come in that They're being silly or Or they're crazy or their concerns aren't valid because, yeah, they still are valid. Yeah, yeah, I just really think that it makes us start to question ourselves when, like you said, we are we actually know our children Mm -hmm. best, and that's when it starts to become quite dangerous and frustrating. Like it's so frustrating, especially when it happens over Over and over and over again that you're not being heard. Exactly.
1: So it feels like sometimes when they don't listen properly, when you're advocating and fighting then you get nowhere. So you hit that brick wall, like you said, until it reaches a point where it gets super bad or severe. It doesn't feel like it's like a real concern. Like it's not a preventative, if that makes sense. So like you said earlier, Mm -hmm. we as parents see things like our kids deteriorating or not improving after other clinics have had their input, like with Riley, for example. So other clinics have done what they can do, but she's still not improving. She's still deteriorating. Mm. Um, And it's only become, it's only until it becomes a severe acute issue, then they listen. So example with fighting for Riley's peg and gastro to bump us up the list.
0: Like now it's becoming severe like it's we're just waiting mm-hmm. we're waiting for it to get bad before we act because it's almost like this oh like you said if it's if it's not needing my immediate attention it's not on my radar yeah. whereas we know we can kind of just see our kid heading in that direction anyway yeah. And it's like okay well i'll see you in a few months and then you can actually listen to me and do what we need to do but mm-hmm. uh, all right let's move on to number three Being ignored because they are a first-time parent. Mm. So these parents feel as though their concerns aren't valid in the eyes of health professionals because they lack experience being a parent and therefore their concerns are not as valid as someone with multiple children, which I see as a nurse on the other side. I see nurses saying, oh, but that mum's a first-time parent. Like it's it's written in their notes, first-time parent. I see it everywhere, first-time parent. Like, it is something that is important to be noted because we obviously then provide a little bit more of education or a little bit more breastfeeding support if that's the way they're going, or like bottle yeah, feeding support. Yeah. Like, I do think it needs to be noted, but sometimes you can see that it's the comments made in a bit of a judgy way, especially mm. if that mum's, again, anxious. It's mm-hmm. it's put down to, oh, but they're a first time parent, you know, or if they're worried about something, like, oh, they're there, a first time parent. It doesn't make those feelings any less no, valid not all. or true. And to feel brushed off as a first-time parent is awful because you're actually already vulnerable. You are vulnerable. Yeah, Like you do feel so like vulnerable. you don't know what you're doing, don't you? Like you remember, yeah. I remember taking the first-time parent, taking James home at two kilos. I was like, what the fuck am I doing? I don't know what I'm um, doing. And you're already questioning yourself and questioning everything that you're doing. You don't need someone else making you feel shit about yourself. Yep.
1: yep. Um. I say so my angle for this was more from like a NICU parent angle, so not really first-time parents. It kind of goes, kind of fits under here, um, that we do actually have a bit of knowledge around the medical and hospital side of things. So like we have a medical child, so we have had that exposure to a lot of of terminologies, and we just understand things. Mm. Um, sometimes I find a lot of medical professionals almost dumb things down, and we are like, "Excuse me, I do know what's going on. I do have some experience. Like, I do understand what you're telling me." Or like, if we start using the mm. medical terminology, and then they're like, "Take a step back, like, oh, oh, okay, you actually do know um, what you're talking about." But I feel like it just makes mm. us feel dumb, isolated, and feels like you cannot voice your concerns. Easily, so that was
0: kind of my take. Do you find though, when you do start talking medical, Mm -hmm. that that sometimes isn't viewed as a good thing though either? Like, oh, she's she's done her research, done her research, or or, or, yeah, she thinks she knows. She thinks she knows more than me, or you're anxious because you're looking into this and you're trying to put your opinion across as a like professional. That's what that that's the other thing that I find if I do start talking. Or, some, or they they often go to me, oh, so you're mm-hmm. a nurse, are you? And I'll be like, yeah, but I'm also Jack's mum and I know Jack's He's numbers. Still a like, yeah. It doesn't matter if I'm a yeah. nurse or not. I'd still be interested in this shit. Yeah. yeah, we get that question all the time. Like, are you a nurse? Do you work in the medical profession?
1: No, we're just NICU parents and we've lived this long enough.
0: Yeah, but it's interesting how you can't win either way. Mm-mm. You either don't know anything or you know too much. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Next one. All right. Number four. This is this is gonna be another big one for you too, Gretchen, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Significant breakdown in communication. so this ranges from having limited explanations about what the plan is for their child using medical terminology that is not understood by parents multiple treating teams having varying opinions on the plan of care for their child or staff not updating parents on what to expect about their stay in hospital yeah um you go shoot
1: (laughs) well i was gonna say my notes say where do we start with the lack of communication yeah (laughs) um yeah. like it's pretty evident that hospitals are busy places and unfortunately having a child with lots of medical needs and teams things do get lost in translation so um I'm gonna start with a time we felt there was like a communication back in the NICU days with Hannah actually um yeah so there was a certain points where communication between us, the nurse on shift, the shift coordinator um, just didn't flow very well. So our example was when Hannah had her TPN burn on her foot where her IV tissued when she was super unwell with neck um, and the TPN literally burnt her foot from the inside out Mm, that we mentioned it to the nurses before she left um, like on her shift that the IV didn't really look like it was going to hold. She was like, okay, I'll keep an eye on it. We went out to dinner, came back, um, and she didn't mention it to the next nurse. So then the next nurse came on shift, um, didn't know about that. We were concerned about it. They obviously need to keep an eye on it, but for some reason, we literally came back to Hannah's foot, literally burning from the inside out, and she almost lost her foot Mm. because of this lack of communication between everything, plus a mix of Mm. not being heard, obviously, because we had mentioned it to them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. My big one with communication is just teams not talking to each other. Like yeah, that they're was They're all my next involved one. <laughs> in Jack's care in one way or another, but they just focus on their area only. Yes. And I find that you then as the parent are the one that's navigating. Mm-hmm. So you go to respiratory and they're like, what mm-hmm. did ENT say? And then you go to gastro and they're like, oh, what did respiratory say? Mm-hmm. And then you go to immunology and they're like, oh, what did... um." feeding therapy say like you just it's just this cycle of you're just the person that's rehashing all the information to everyone yeah it's like you're the bloody admin lady I'm like why can you guys not just communicate exactly so, to each other do you guys save me I shouldn't have to be doing this we don't have any sort of nurse that does that for me which is sh- which you we don't should. see
1: I was just gonna say like is there a team of nurses at the hospital over there that have so we
0: have what's called a complex care nurse at our children's hospital Mm -hmm. which we have been referred to I asked last time we were admitted to be referred to her Mm -hmm. but there's an eligibility criteria Mm -hmm. and I'm assuming because I haven't heard anything that we haven't met that what you tell me what's the eligibility criteria six
1: that's what who I has like know. six different yeah.
0: specialists who has needles every no, you week should be. in our home you be. as part of this same hospital yep. is not eligible for this service. It no. just blows my mind. Again, I we've been referred multiple times and I've never heard anything, yeah, so see. I'm assuming that that's why. And I just think what do you need to mm. be to have that support? So we've got that here. So mm. with
1: Riley's being under multiple teams over multiple hospitals plus going private, the lack of communication has just been shit. Um, so now things have gotten more severe. Um, we're under PCH with the Purple team being across all of the teams as well as so our complex care nursing team is called Connect Care and their job is to literally make sure everyone is communicating. Um, so things have slightly improved mm, now. I'm jealous. <laughs> well, we our criteria yeah. is I think it's three or more teams that you have to be under. So that's why I'm surprised yeah that you're not eligible because
0: ours is only three teams that's what i thought it was something similar here too i just like yeah. that's insane i don't know don't know and it is something i keep like meaning to bring up i need to talk to social work mm. like when i'm actually in hospital i need to ask to see social work because you can't it's another thing you can't speak to social work as an outpatient oh. you need to do it when you're an inpatient like there's so many rules that just so silly. it's too too exhausting yep. i just go it's too hard i give yep. up whatever um I you know I was gonna say
1: on this communication topic though Justin and I have also got better at standing our ground a bit more and voicing our concerns and making sure we know what the next plan is not coming across trying to come across aggressive Mm. but just getting them to understand how much of an impact this is on our life especially because we've got the three other girls like we need to know what's happening Mm. we need to have a plan um, yeah. but you could say that we've both grown some bigger balls because yeah. I would not have stood up for Riley yeah. or us, like when we first started yeah. this journey.
0: Yeah. And I think that is something that comes with time and experience mm-hmm. and you build Big that time. as you go. But again, I don't, that's what I was saying earlier. I don't want to, I don't want people to think that it comes easy, No, even but this, this far down years. the track. Like I still, yeah. yeah. And I still struggle with it. Oh, I yeah, still so really do, I. do, especially, yep. I think a big part of mine is that I work in the hospital where Jack gets his care. I see the doctors mm-hmm. as a, like in the hospital as a nurse. I've got to yeah. try and ha- maintain a professional relationship with them. Like it's quite tricky for me. Um, also the fact that a lot of the staff there know me as Miracle Mama. Yeah. I find that really hard. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't want to be the bad guy. I don't want to be seen as the difficult no mum when I'm
1: yeah
0: also this person that supports other people like you know what I mean like there's almost a bit of a conflict of interest there um so yeah (laughs) um so yeah it it is trickier than I think sometimes it comes across like I Mm -hmm. totally agree I've grown bigger balls too but I still do struggle with it yeah um yeah yeah next one Number five, parents being made to feel like they are a bad parent. Um, So this could be because of the way a health professional has communicated with the parents or it could be because of an injury that has happened to their child or because they did not do something that was expected of them, such as providing pain relief, for example. Um, So I know the first thing we ask as emergency nurses when mm -hmm. someone comes into ED with their child, have you given them Panadol? Mm -hmm. And if they say no... I think parents often feel like we're judging them yeah. Um, and then they, they feel like they're a bad parent and it goes it kind of goes hand in hand with what I was saying before about that can make them reluctant then to seek care in the future, which is damaging essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think I've only felt this maybe a couple of times and it's been because I've kind of waited at home with Jack or James with an asthma attack, for example. Yeah. So going back to what I was saying before, like our limits of taking them to hospital have Gotten higher, like our threshold has gotten higher because we do feel like when we go, sometimes we're made to feel like we're not needing to be there. Yeah, definitely. So I've gotten to the point now where I'm like, oh, I'll just give Jack Ventland to Owley at home, even though I know that that's not recommended. <laughs> I tell you off for that, and you're like, no, he's fine. I know. But I have – this is the other thing comes down to me being a nurse. I have had his asthma team say we're confident with you doing that at home because because you've got that experience,
1: you're a nurse. Yeah, Yeah. and
0: you'll know you won't leave it too late. But then when I have done that and taken him into ED, I have got that bit of a talking. Yeah, (laughs) a bit of a talking too. And like I do just tell them, look, you know, I've done not my first rodeo. I am a nurse. I have been communicating with his team, like trying to make myself feel better. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. But there has been another time where James, I think he was day five of a fever and I finally took him into ED because he was needing Ventolin more frequently and he had a raging pneumonia. So, yeah, that one, mate, I always felt really bad about that. But um, he was still fine. He was running around having a right old time. time, But I did did get that talking that maybe next time bring him in on day three of a fever. (laughs) (laughs) Mm. Yeah. It's ironic because the reason I do this is, like I said, because if I take them in early, I'm made to feel like I'm overreacting. Mm -hmm. But then if you take them in too late, late, you're made to feel bad. So, again, I just feel like you can't Round
1: and round you go. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh. So my big one for this would be the journey to Riley's tube. So we went from us forcing food and water into her, then stopping that under our private dietitian's guidelines, to her becoming severely dehydrated and malnourished. And I hate those words as a parent, Mm, having my child like as failing to thrive and she was severely malnourished and dehydrated. Like those words just make me cringe. But it took Mm. that for them to take us seriously. Um, So on so many levels we feel like horrible parents because we were forced by the doctors to syringe water into her, like thin water, Mm forced her to eat as she needed to eat, but in turn making her aspirate, stuffing up her lungs even more, but we didn't know any better. So Justin, yeah, was like, we didn't know any better. This is what the health professionals were telling us to do. We feel so horrible and so guilty that we were giving her foods and fluids when she shouldn't have been having them. Like, just pissed off, pissed off that ENT didn't listen and do anything earlier. So we're made to Mm. feel like bad parents, especially with that label of like failure to thrive and malnourished and dehydrated that label yes i feel like when you when i see that written down i feel like that comes back to because i didn't make her
0: eat or drink or i didn't give her enough yeah um this is yeah. this was actually one of my big points as From a nurse's perspective, I see I can there's a few examples where I feel like I can see where parents feel like they're the bad parent. Mm -hmm. One of them was I was going to say is failure to thrive. I've looked after multiple babies um, with that diagnosis, and you can tell every time that the parents feel this sense of yeah, like it's my fault and blame yeah, like it's their fault. A lot of the times, the reason that they're failure to thrive every time basically is because of it like a medical reason yeah, or something, uh, you know, or a metabolic reason or a hormone reason or, mm-hmm. um, you know, like even things as simple as jaundice, <laughs> I'm trying mm-hmm. to think of the word, like as simple as jaundice. And, it, you know, there is the very rare instance, which is a child protection issue where yes. it, it is the parent's fault, but 99% of the time it is nothing, but there is still this internal, I mm-hmm. feel like a, a horrible parent. The other the other thing I see is Breast versus bottle feeding. Yes, I, that I think would be a big one. So many, yeah, so many times, especially in the NICU, parents mm-hmm. feel, and I think it's because it's drilled into us as nurses to promote breastfeeding, mm-hmm. that I think that, you know, every time... I try to offer a mum support for her breastfeeding. I feel, I feel, I do it so cautiously because I'm like, I don't want to yes. think, make this mum think that this is Mm-mm. what she has to do, or that she's being like, forced yeah, to do, what she this has to, do or she's failing, yeah, or that she's yeah, failing or, in or, yeah, feeding. Yeah, if, if the if the breastfeeding isn't working, that it's yeah, that it's anything she's doing. Like it's such a sensitive subject, especially for NICU parents who, when they feel With like all those
1: hormones going around yeah, as well, and when
0: you feel like in the NICU. You, that's one thing you feel like i remember thinking when i was pumping that's one thing i could do i could provide as a mum in that instance and there is so much you feel so shit if that doesn't work for you and i think we have to be really careful because it can it can contribute to mental health concerns like postnatal depression and things in you in you mum. so i think we have to be really careful with that all right last one um this is a bit of a um I don't know what the word is it's not as deep <laughs> it's a little bit more of a um what's the word uh, I don't know anyway long waiting times so do you know what I mean like it's not as deep it's just a surface level thing like
1: a I still got notes on it
0: <laughs> like it's a system error it's not a yes. yeah. yeah yeah it it's is not a it is more assisted yeah uh, yep. yeah um I think there's not much we can do about this, unfortunately. Obviously, long waiting times for, um, you know, waiting lists is different. But when I think of waiting times, I think of, you know, ED and seeing a doctor and like then yeah, seeing a specialist to get admitted. Yeah. Um, I think everyone, if they've ever been to hospital with their child, has had to wait quite a long time unless it's been
1: Unless it's urgent, a like life-threatening. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Those times when you have been to hospital and it's been like, straight to recess it's only happened about three times straight to recess pretty much mm-hmm. straight to the ward yep. you know your child's yep. really sick when that happens like yes. you know and that's yes. what i've been keep there many times a nurse <laughs> reiterating to people that if you're waiting it's a good thing mm-hmm. you don't want to be the one that's going straight through Mm-mm. but yeah there's always long waits tell us what have you got
1: um so obviously we understand that there is long waits and busy periods but sometimes it feels like they're pulling the piss a bit. So this is more in regards to referrals, so not specifically ED. Yeah. Um, so like actually getting a referral in the first place, there's a wait. Then for that to be sent out, there's a wait.
0: Mm. Then
1: once the referral is in, there's a wait. Then it's got to be a triage. Then you wait again and then there's absolutely no communication about when they will actually see you. Um, so then you wait some more. So yeah,
0: that's, I think the lack of communication is half the problem there again, because just no, one you, yeah. no one tells you, no one tells you where you are in the system, where you mm. are in that process. You just got to no. wait and hope that, hope that you're getting where you're you need somewhere. to go. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that was my point. Like it comes back to that
1: lack of communication and it would be so lovely if they could just update parents to say, okay, we've received your referral. Mm -hmm. is going to be an approximate six to 12 months wait or three to six months or 18 months or whatever just some sort of approximate so that you're not chasing
0: you can track the process where it like updates every time like when you're tracking a parcel with australia post exactly (laughs) something like that would be wonderful well do you
1: guys have many manage my care app
0: no we've got nothing Grecian. We're behind the so times here have, in Adelaide.
1: Yeah, I know. Come on, we've got the Manage My Care app, so it has like, can you can see all your referrals in there and what teams you're under, and it oh will have God. like green if you're already with them. It will have black, I
0: believe. Hang on, I'm going to open that app now. This is insane. Oh. What is going on in little old Adelaide? So, W yeah, WA Health. This makes me upset. I feel like I'm missing out because I'm in a certain state. Shouldn't healthcare just be the same everywhere? You would think think that's what I thought it was everywhere. So, oh, look,
1: all of our referrals are now green. So usually it would say, can you actually see the screen? Sort of. I'll send you a screenshot. Um, So on the Manage My Care app, it actually has your referrals once they get accepted So you won't be able to see if they're like in transit. (laughs) But once they get accepted and they're being triaged, they'll be black. And then once they get accepted to wherever it needs to go, wherever you are on the triage list, it will go green and it will tell you what priority you are, um, the date that the referral got accepted. Um, And then obviously you're still waiting though. So you still have no idea how long Um, that will be. So you know it's in, but like just to estimate, of like
0: yeah. how long the actual wait is would be would be nice. Yeah, um, yeah. I um, I just thought of something when we're talking about things getting lost in transit. So, perfect example of this was Jack when he was waiting for a swallow. His most recent swallow study. So this was all being done as an like outpatient. Um, it was his second or third swallow study. I think maybe his third actually. Um, so his doctor puts in the referral, the, the actual form yep. to have the swallow study. And then the um, speechies at the hospital contacted Lively Eaters, which is our feeding therapist, and asked them to fill in a form that just said what sort of thickener he's on now, what we're testing, you know, what sort mm-hmm. of levels she would recommend that they test, blah, blah, blah. She sent that back. We waited, we waited, we waited. And I was really like, it waiting. got to a point, I think it got to a year and we hadn't heard anything and I... At one of the pediatric appointments, I, I brought it up, and he's like, "That is insane." I put on that referral that it was it needed to be done within like three months or something, which they do. They prioritize what the doctors yeah, like yeah that what the doctors say. He's like, "Something's gone wrong." I rang the hospital to follow up. And they had never received the paperwork from the feeding therapist, so they just—it literally, they just were sitting there waiting for that for like six months, just sitting there waiting for. I'm like, did no one think to ring and send an email, even send an email just to be like, hey, do you have these forms? We're waiting for them. Like, but because I hadn't, because I hadn't followed it up, Mm -hmm. no one else was going to. Like until I had physically followed that up, no one. Like you just you just do you get lost in the system it physically took me calling for them to go oh no we're mm-hmm. waiting on the paper I'm like you've been waiting on that paperwork for mm-hmm. do you not have a something that flags in the yeah system exactly that goes, hey it's been so long like yeah no and like my so I obviously went back to my feeding therapist she she showed me the send receipt of the email it, it was sent it just got lost out there apparently somewhere get there so yeah but that it's everything ends up on your shoulders, like, and that's the one thing I, I think to take out of this is that, like, I would love to give tips on fighting for your, like, advocating for your child, which I think we've kind of, kind of, sort kind of weaved of in here, yeah. here and there. But I think, I think the biggest one is remember, like, always remind yourself that it is your child, yes. and that you have every right to know, to fight, to say whatever you need to say to get shit done. Mm-hmm. Like, unfortunately, we are dealing with a system, like, which can be great. I feel like we're talking about the NDIS again. Oh, yeah. But the healthcare system, it can be amazing. <laughs> no, they are amazing. But yeah. at the end of the day, your child is almost like a number... Yeah. And this clogs are just turning and they come up on the list and it's like, "Hey," and we deal with you and we move yeah. on. You know, that, that's how it feels. And unfortunately that's sort of that's how, it how it is. That's just how it is. You will get the few odd specialists that you click with and that are amazing and treat your child like. Like their own. Like their own, but it's rare, unfortunately.
1: Yeah. Um, so I do want to add in there. So obviously mm. at PCH, um. They have a team called K-Kind. I think I mentioned them before. So they specialise in like the medical trauma and advocating for your child. Um, It sucks as we only literally have just found out about them in the past, I don't even think six months. I feel like more people should be aware of it, more people, especially those um, complex kids um, that do have that medical trauma Mm -hmm. and do need some advocating, but it's not advertised so the doctors and nurses don't like to advertise it because, well, especially the doctors. Sorry, doctors, not bagging you out. You're amazing, but it can make their work a bit harder because then Kine come in and go, "This is how we're doing this IV today." Like you must do yeah. this, 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 and yeah. this, um, instead of just trying to jab the kid um, with things. But I yeah. do want to say that they've been That's amazing. Actually
0: great point. So, on that note. Jack has a special care plan for when mm-hmm. he presents to ED, which is yes, another thing so, that I so highly recommend if you've got a complex child. Yeah, yeah. Which that we fast. again, we actually had to, f- we actually had to fight for a special care plan for our child for ED, which just sounds ridiculous. You have to fight for yep. everything, but eventually, when Jack was diagnosed with medical trauma, and they saw how sh- mm-hmm. like, they saw how shitty, like multiple times, how shitty his veins mm-hmm. were, and how shitty he responded to that trauma. That eventually they were like, Yeah, we can't keep doing this to this child. So his special care plan basically just says lists all of his diagnoses, and his pediatrician has said who yeah. needs to be contacted when he yeah. is in ED. Ours says the same. Um, yeah, what needs to be done if he needs bloods or an IV um, inserted in terms of that includes sedation, um, yeah, things like that. And basically says if you it can only be the senior um doctor on that's what we've got on ours as well can only be the senior doctor on that can do his IV and bloods Mm
1: -hmm. yeah
0: and the only thing that I can think of that we have and this is very specific to Jack because of his difficult IV access but we do have a what's called a fairy system at women's and children's um at our hospital that is for kids with difficult access so it's, it's in ultra it's in medical imaging so instead of just going to the SA pathology where oh, wow. um, you actually get a referral to yeah, medical yeah. imaging they do it under ultrasound sound guidance the bloods and they can wow. do it with um, some light sedation and there's usually a few people in there in the room to help because it's um you know it usually needs a few mm-hmm. few hands and stuff so we use that we're actually booked in for Jack to have some bloods done in February pray for us um and we use that. I system. didn't know you
1: could get bloods like via like ultrasound to like find the veins and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool to know. Yeah,
0: and that's only a new system here in Adelaide too, which many people don't know about. Um, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's about the only bit of support that I've received in that in terms of medical trauma and stuff. It's pretty, it's pretty hard. I feel like there's mm. so many diff- better systems that could be put in place, but yeah.
1: Yeah, no, I'm grateful that at least we have something now, and at least we're under K kind, and we've got that. Um, and they at sort the front of advocate of file for now. you. It's like an about me. Yeah. They do yeah. advocate for you. Yeah. yeah. So if you're not feeling comfortable, they literally will come in and be like, "No, yeah, this is not happening today, or whatever." So um, it's nice to have that, I suppose, backup. But yeah, they've done all our about me for Riley.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, if she presents to ED, um, Connect Care have put together the same type of plan that you have um the k kind one says like please talk to me directly i may not respond i love paw patrol yeah Um, yeah i love such
0: a difference when they actually color pink address the child first don't touch rather than just going in and doing their obs like without even talking whatever they need to do yeah Yeah, Yeah, so
1: last admission or the last two admissions, it made such a difference just even having those things on the file um, that they could read and have a little update and it said stuff that like do not touch my tube. I am very cautious about my tube. So just little things like that and about the IVs, like I will hide my hands. Please understand this is because of medical trauma and blah, blah, blah. So
0: yes, they do help. I did just want to touch on, back to that article, how um, I actually really loved how the author of the article is actually a health professional, because she says a lot of what I feel. So she says, you know, without providing excuses, there are always two sides to every story. Some of the experiences parents have had in hospital are inexcusable, but sometimes things happen due to a cascade of events involving many different people and systems. So she recognises that health professionals these days are generally under immense stress. This comes from like an overwhelming number of children presenting to hospital, being admitted to the wards and not always having enough staff for, you know, the number of patients. Definitely. But this is not the parent's fault and it shouldn't happen, but it does, it's not the nurse's fault either. Um, But as a result, it sometimes means that staff can't provide the care that they want to. Mm -hmm. And I've been in that situation before. It's one of the reasons I left ED because Mm -hmm. I was just So task orientated that I couldn't actually provide care. Yeah, do you lose that? You lose that care when you're all you're thinking about is the next thing that's due, and how much trouble you're going to be in if you don't have that patient out of that bed and onto the ward. Um, You know, there is this constant rush of getting people in and out, which is just because our hospitals are so overwhelmed. and mm-hmm. it is sometimes unavoidable to the nurses. But again, like I said, some things are just inexcusable. And like the stress is heavy and the workload is heavy for nurses mm-hmm. and that can spill over, unfortunately, into poor communication skills oh, and behaviour yeah. or even a lack yeah. of like the necessary emotional support for parents. Um, but yeah, I think, like I said earlier, I don't want, I know this has kind of come across as a, bagging health professionals and a bit of a rant about our healthcare system and stuff but again I want to say that there is so much good and obviously for me Mm -hmm. especially like Jack wouldn't be where he is today without the help of all of these professionals and um, you know we are so indebted and grateful to everyone who's ever looked after him and cared for him mm-hmm. and especially like same, I always come back same. to NICU like I just think the people that work in the NICU oh. cannot be faulted no. I just I think that's a different like I've said before it's a different Whole type of different. nursing that is just yeah. above and beyond and like I think we've all had shitty experiences in hospital and I think that's only natural like you you never there's always going to be people that you don't get along with in any space yep. you know, in any environment and I think like I said you when you're in hospital your emotions are heightened you're Already. anxious you're worried you've got a sick child you're tired um I think that everything does frustrate you a lot more um you pick up on a lot more and you know things like I said things that I probably wouldn't normally like I've gotten so riled up that I've snapped at people that I would never normally do if mm. I was in a healthier mental state yeah. so I think I do find it hard to complain about our health system because I see it from both sides. Um, and I'm sometimes pulled in both directions, but yeah, I think, you know, I've had a lot of personal experiences where unfortunately the care is inexcusable and that scares Mm me and it, but it does also make me be a better nurse. (laughs) Like, wow, I'm a better nurse after being on the other side. Like, yeah, I'm, and I'm so thankful that I'm now in a job where I can provide a lot more emotional support and care for the parents and for my patients rather mm-hmm. than just being go, go, and go, go, getting them in and so, out. So yeah, I do just want to put a little disclaimer there that, you know, we, we're not, we're not hating on anyone no. or anything here. We're very grateful to live where we live and we understand that yeah, healthcare isn't this accessible and amazing anywhere else in the world. But um. We I just do want you to know that advocating and fighting for your child isn't isn't easy, and it's not as easy as as it can sometimes be made
1: out to be. No, so on that note, mm. like being so grateful, I always try and take make the effort, I should say, to thank the nurses and the doctors, like especially the ones that look after us mm. regularly, and tell them how good a job they're doing yeah. because they don't you guys don't hear that enough, and I have said yeah. that before on here. I think you guys are just amazing. Like you guys do all the hard work, the doctors just come in, write their little bit. No, no, they do a lot as well. But
0: Um, there's there's a a funny meme about that actually. Um, I have to try and find it and share it, but it's something like nurses are the ones that save your lives when the doctors walk out the door or something. It's so true. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Then like, yeah. But um, I think that's the beauty of it as well is you can kind of like when I was saying about the tension in the room and like emotions are heightened and but yet when you I feel like every time you walk out and you're discharged there's still this understand like it's almost like that's the good thing about nurses I think is that they understand that you are in a vulnerable state or um, yeah or you know if same to you you kind of walk out and you're like you understand that they're in the nurses are in a vulnerable state like there's this understanding that okay Mm -hmm. shit happened in here
1: what (laughs) state what happens in hospital stays in there yeah you know
0: that kind of Mutual respect almost, Mm -hmm. especially if you're a mum that's in hospital a lot. Like I think there's this mutual respect of, yeah, you're going to have tough days and I'm going to have tough days. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day and at the end of all of this, when we leave, like I'm exactly the same. I always like, I say I make Jack write a thank you, but I do it from Jack. Mm -hmm. You know, like I do a thank you for looking after me. Um, I always write a card. I always leave a gift. I always leave lots of goodies and chocolate, um, especially for the long stays because – at the end of the day, I am. I'm so extremely grateful, but it is just shit and it's hard being a mum in mm-hmm. hospital with a sick child. Yeah, yep. The end. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming to our TED Talk.
1: <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> okay, let's do mum, mum brain
0: moments then. Oh, yeah, we meant to do that at the start. We're all over the place.
1: Yeah, I know, but I'm going to do it, do it now. Okay. Because my mum brain moment was, <laughs> well, I forgot to exit the right, I forgot to exit the right exit on the freeway. <laughs> like, yes. And then I messaged you and I was like, fuck, I like, oh, got off the wrong one. And then you've got to oh, go like, right. we were, yeah.
0: yeah, we were doing voice we were chats talking. to each other. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Funny. That was really funny. Because I was uh, like, oh my God. And then no, you have I'm to go to, like the next eight
1: yeah. Ks. <laughs> yeah. The next eight Ks to turn around. It's always so far away.
0: It's a bit of a shitty mistake to make, Coming back, isn't it? that was my, yeah. mom, my brain funny. moment. Mm-mm. yeah when you get so um like it's what I say when I'm coming home from night shift sometimes I don't even remember driving home because you're so tired mm-hmm. and you're so just like in the zone it's really really dangerous I'm like shit I go through it it. I go through a like traffic light and I'm like shit was that green <laughs> was that actually green <laughs> <Yeah>. oh dear <laughs> oh, funny. Uh, I don't actually have any mum brain moments well I'm like you this week I didn't jot anything down must have had a good week
1: good well then mm. what's something you want to do again
0: um, okay, something uh, I'm going to do. Forget first, Gretchen. You always get the order wrong. I'm um, okay. something I want to forget. Sorry, sorry. Um, Got to end on a high. Yes, um, something I want to forget is we've had awful weather here today in Adelaide. It has been hot, like for, over 40 degrees, and a little bit stormy, so windy, um, and there have been a couple of bushfires started, which has been a little bit triggering mm. we had an awful awful experience with a bushfire in our local area about three years ago where many of my friends actually lost their homes and it got really close to my mum's house so yeah hate hate hot weather and wind and lightning the combination even just the smell of smoke today in the air very triggering. yeah it's awful yeah so that's something I want to forget I yeah Something I want to do again. This is easy. I've had a good week, but I went on a date, one-on-one date with James. Um, oh, that was
1: very cute.
0: Yeah, yesterday I took him out. We had Jack support worker here. So I took him out. We went and saw Puss in Boots at the movies, which he Aww. loved. I actually really liked it too. There's my reco for the week. Go and see that movie if you've got kids. Um, mm-hmm. But just as we all know here, we've talked about it so much in the past, is that we feel like the older not just, not generally mm. the older sorry the other siblings other siblings um can miss out and we don't spend enough one-on-one Definitely. time with them so um really special yeah. he loves it when we do that so i need to do more of that cuz i say it all the time but it's hard to find the time it's, it's hard to juggle
1: yeah, yeah I, and find I think that too school
0: holidays is um a good time to try and prioritize that if you can so yeah what about you
1: I want to forget the fact that Macy is not sleeping anywhere except in our bed. I don't know mm. if anyone has heard that whole podcast,
0: she was screaming. She is, though, in bed now. Had I don't a know rough, how Justin about yeah, that. Rough, rough... rough trot with this. this. is We were saying earlier yeah. it's really hard for us recording these podcasts because it's currently 11.30 here on a Saturday night because now. Such, such a huge time difference between us. And, Macy and then Macy's bed. been yeah.
1: just needing uh, needing me, so we were like, no, we'll just get it done. So I really want to sort that out and forget it because, yep, I need sleep.
0: I was going to say, have you have you done our hot tip of putting them in the bed together? But you have.
1: Well, she shares a room, doesn't well, she? Well, she shares a room, yes, but we are thinking of getting the triple bunk, so the double bed down the bottom and the single at the top, yeah, so that we can like just lay with her in, in her room the, or maybe yeah. Addie. We'll be able to lay with her and, like, have pillows because she likes laying on pillows. So I think that's what we are going to
0: try next and see. It becomes such an expensive project, though, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but what I want to do again
1: is I went and got some tattoos this week. That was my thing. I've been saving up because I missed my last tattoo appointment because Riley, that was just before Christmas. Riley was in hospital, obviously. So I had to cancel that one. So, yeah, that was my little want to do again. Maybe not for the cost of them.
0: I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone for listening to our last episode about NDIS with Hayley. It was one of our most popular episodes that we've had recently. It had huge amounts mm-hmm. of listens, especially in the first sort of 24 hours. I know that Haley has received an influx of people. I'm next on the list. <laughs> you've, you've missed out. I'm She's next. had like 10 people contact No, her. I told her. <laughs> no. Um, so, yeah, just – Your support has been huge over the last, yeah, we've really noticed the growth over the last few months and obviously we want to keep that going. Um, Those episodes that are really popular, especially the ones that are really informative and that can help lots of people, we'd love if you could share, um, share them around Mm -hmm. with all the people in your network, especially things like the NDIS one. I think we all know someone who has a child on the NDIS, so Mm -hmm. I think shooting things like this podcast to them is a good way to show Your support as well, but yeah, thanks for your support of that recent episode, and I'm so glad you all loved it. Thanks.
1: So next episode will be the one you guys have been waiting for as well, Nurse Tori. So obviously, I wasn't there when you recorded this, Amy. I know. I'm so sad. I was
0: so gutted, but But I'm knee deep in editing it, and it is yeah, it's a good one. I'm loving listening. I'm so sad. Yeah, it's, again, very informative, especially it'll. it's very much one for NICU families. But as always, I say if you haven't experienced the NICU, I'd still highly recommend you listen because it gives mm-hmm. a good insight. to Give an insight, help, yeah. Yeah, help people in the future if you know anyone that experiences it. And also just having a nurse in general, their perspective on caring for families it's in a vulnerable good. time. Yeah. yeah, it's really good, especially she talks about um, – you know, caring for all different types of families and, you know, mm-hmm. having to adjust her care to different nationalities, different backgrounds, I can't different wait to social hear. structures, yeah. And then talks a lot about what she does outside of nursing for like to process some of the trauma. So she talks about being involved mm. in, you know, traumatic births and all the different types of babies she cares for. Oh, I'm so sad I missed it. Yeah, and she even like gives, we talk about um, – This is a really, really cool question that was asked from one of our listeners. Someone asked, what can we do as parents to make the nurse's life easier? And it's really cool hearing her answer to that. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, Yeah, just some different, a very different perspective. And I teared up multiple times in this interview. She talks about how often it's the dad that she or the partner that she meets first as a NICU nurse after a baby Uh is born and you know
1: that's gonna make me
0: tear up. Oh yeah, and like the how she deals with that situation. Mm-hmm. So it was really, really and it will probably be a little bit triggering for some, but that it hit really close to home because I just immediately thought of Scott and I remember those deer yeah. in the headlight eyes when, you when said I that. first saw Yeah. Him. Yeah. I thought of Justin. Yeah. 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 So really informative and valuable um chat and Tori's just a bloody legend. Um so yeah, that'll be next week. Hopefully, dropping our usual time on a Monday. But we are done. Thank you for being here this long with us. <laughs> and do your usual things. Give us some love. We're trying to be a bit more active on social media, so we'd love to see you there. And we will be back in your ears next week. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. 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 bye, bye. Good night. Sound a bit more excited, Grecian. I, I'm bye. tired. Bye. Every, Bye. Every time I, <laughs> that's better. Every time I edit the ending, you're like, bye. <laughs> it's because I'm tired. I start yawning by the end. Okay, I'm like, you. how bye. do you do this? Like staying awake till 11, <laughs> 11 o'clock at night. <laughs> it reminds me of Ross from Friends. Oh Friends. Bye. <laughs> Oh, God, now You're going to be so, so self-conscious, of,
1: self-conscious of that. Okay, guys, see you next okay, time. See ya. Bye. Bye. <laughs> see, that just feels so fake. Bye. Okay, <laughs> see you guys. <laughs> okay, stop. <laughs> Bye. See you. Bye. Bye. Yes,